You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. As we continue to look at six different portraits of the cross and the way that God offers salvation and hope and love in the world, our scripture lesson today is from 1 John, the third chapter, beginning with the 11th verse. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We must not like, be like Cain, who was from the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not be astonished, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death. All who hate a brother or sister are murderers, and you know that murderers do not have eternal life abiding within them. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and God knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God and we receive from God whatever we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is God's commandment that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. All who obey his commandment abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit that he has given us. This is the word of God for the people of God Thanks be to God. <clears throat> in the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh, there is an episode titled Unvalentine's Day. And all of the inhabitants of the Hundred Acre Wood gather to talk about what went wrong the year before. On Valentine's Day, they were so preoccupied with one-upsmanship and proving their love for one another and the competition of making sure that they had the, the best gift to give, they inundated each other's homes with hundreds and hundreds of cards to the fact that no one could get into their house. So Rabbit makes the executive command that they will not have Valentine's Day this year. Well, Valentine's Day comes and when Pooh opens his door, he notices that there's a honey pot there. And of course, Pooh Bear being Pooh Bear eats the entire pot before thinking about how it got there in the first place. 
But then he starts to ponder and he assumes that Piglet gave him the honeypot. So he then gives Piglet a honeypot. Well, Piglet opens his door and sees that there's a honeypot there and he assumes that it was Owl that gave him the gift. So he then gives Owl a gift. And then Owl notices that he has a gift and he thought it was Tigger, so he gives Tigger a gift and so on and so forth until they all have been given a gift on Valentine's Day. Of course, the mystery gift giver was none other than Christopher Robin, the one who lives outside of the Hundred Acre Wood who came in to the wood to offer them a gift and then disappears without any fanfare. This story reveals to us the moral example, atonement theory. Taking something that was intended for good that we have made a mess of and then restoring it beautifully, simply, so that what God intended for good would once again be beautiful. To recap our series, we began with substitution theory, which is the theory that Jesus takes our place on the cross in order to satisfy God's justice. Then we talked about ransom theory. Ransom theory says that Jesus has set us free by paying the debt for human sin. Moral example theory offers yet another portrait of understanding the cross. It's not that justice must be satisfied or that God must bargain with the powers of evil for the sake of the human soul. Rather, Jesus restores within us the image and the likeness of God. And Jesus is obedient to restoring that image even to the point of death. In a way, with substitution and, substitution and ransom, the cross is what actualizes salvation. Whereas with moral example, the cross is part of the whole of Jesus' life and teaching and miracle working and wonders. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And this may sound like a relatively new kind of way of looking at the cross, but it is certainly not new. The philosopher Peter Abelard in the 12th century wrote this. Now it seems to us that we have been justified by the blood of Christ and reconciled to God in this way through this unique act of grace manifested to us and that his son has taken upon himself our nature and persevered therein in teaching us by word and example even unto death so that we do all things out of love rather than out of fear. Sometimes with these theories of the cross, it sounds like God is looking for an example in order to punish us. The moral example theory, however, 
reveals to us that the central focus, the movement of God's heart, is love. And God is calling us to also love one another so that we might see a glimpse of heaven, so that we might recognize what the kingdom of heaven is all about, so that we might know that we don't have to close our eyes in the sleep of death in order to experience heaven. The goal is and has always been for heaven and earth to be one. It is our hope of revelation at the end of the story. The new Jerusalem comes down and God is with God's people and heaven and earth are one and the same. In heaven, will we need to prove ourselves? Will we feel the need to be more successful than the next soul? Will we feel the need to be smarter or faster or stronger So we have these lofty visions of heaven as being a place where all nations and colors and creeds will live in harmony together. And that these division lines that we have built, these squabbles, both large and small, that separate us, they won't matter in heaven. And sometimes we completely forget that they shouldn't matter here either. Will the poor be in heaven? Maybe it will only be the poor in heaven. Will the boundary of heaven somehow be at the Rio Grande or the English Channel? Will we see only people we agree with in heaven? (laughs) Will we see only United Methodists? Will we see only global Methodists or free Methodists? or African Methodist Episcopals, or African Methodist Episcopal Zions, or Nazarenes? Do even our Wesleyan denominations have it right enough to get in? Or maybe none of us do. Sometimes we think that Jesus has opened heaven and our only responsibility is to give thanks in praise. Of course it is right and a good thing to give our thanks and praise. But how? But through love. Through loving and serving one another. This is his commandment that we should believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him and he abides in them. And by this... We know that he abides in us through love. As in previous weeks, we've talked about how all of these metaphors are beautiful in their own way. And we do give our thanks and praise for Jesus taking our place, for the freedom that we have offered through Jesus' ransom unto death. But also, as in last week's, all metaphors fall apart None are perfect. Much like the ransom theory at its extreme suggests that we really don't have to do anything but believe in Jesus in order to be welcomed into God's heart, the moral example theory does almost the opposite. At its extreme, it suggests that we might be earning our way into heaven through good deeds. And there also isn't much of a mechanism for the times when we aren't as loving 
as we ought to be. When we, when we fail, when our anger gets the best of us. I know that I'm called to forgive my neighbor, but what happens if my neighbor for, refuses to forgive me? Does that have some kind of standing on my relationship to heaven? Have you ever waited in desperation for someone to forgive you? You nearly feel held hostage. Maybe that's the mystery of it all. The moral example theory challenges us to consider that we've been so preoccupied with getting into heaven that there's a chance that we have built hell here on earth. Oscar Romero was a Roman Catholic archbishop who lived in El Salvador in the 20th century. His work with marginalized people put him at odds with the Salvadorian government. After speaking out against U.S. military involvement with the Salvadorian government because of human rights violations, Oscar Romero was murdered in his church while celebrating communion. He took a single bullet to the heart and collapsed behind the altar. He wrote this. One must not love oneself so much as to avoid getting involved in the risks of life that history demands of us. We have never preached violence except the violence of love the kind of love that wills to beat weapons into sickles for work. Are we willing to follow Christ's example? Are we willing to love our enemies? Are we willing to choose God over money? Are we willing to turn the other cheek are we willing to be with the poor and to be poor ourselves? Are we willing to forgive those who seem unforgivable? If we do these things through the example of Christ, we just might see and believe that the kingdom is indeed at hand. It was Jesus' first sermon. Repent and believe the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is here. Yes, Jesus spoke about the afterlife, but most often Jesus spoke about how we are to love one another here and now. In self-sacrificing love. So that we might recognize heaven even when it is in the midst of us. So, let us love. Let us remember what love is. Let us remember that a day like Valentine's Day that has been set apart for love is not a game of one-upsmanship, of how I can send you more cards than anyone else. It's a, it's a day of simplicity. It's a day of genuineness. Christianity is a life of sacrifice, a life of giving, a life of revealing heaven, a place we say 
where there is no more crying, a place we say where there are no more lines of division, a place we say that we all live in harmony with one another. And why do we so often live counter to our own hope? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, you who put on flesh and walked among us, emptied yourself, taking on the form of a slave, in order to show us what the kingdom of heaven is like. It is like a treasure buried in a field that you sell everything to get. It is like a place where those hired early in the day and late in the day are all offered a day's wage. It is in place where those who mourn are comforted. It's a place where those who are hungry are filled. It is a place where we are all counted as children of yours. So, Father, give us the courage by the power of your Holy Spirit not to wait in order to reveal this heaven in the world. Help us to be good stewards of this great eternal gift here and now. So be with us. We cannot reveal this heaven alone. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever. Amen.